Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. Right now, Collective is fully online, so if you like the podcast, make sure to check us out on Facebook at My Collective Church on Sunday mornings at 9.25 a.m. for Collective Online. We would love for you to join us. A lot of big things are going on at Collective, so make sure not to miss a week this fall as we will be sharing about how God is moving in our church and what is next for Collective. Now, let's get into today's message. When I was in high school, a few of my friends and I thought it would be cool to learn how to play the guitar. My younger brother and dad play, so I figured it couldn't be all that challenging to figure out. And since I grew up listening to the Beatles, I figured that would be a good place to start. So for the next few weeks, I started teaching myself how to play across the universe. It was pretty simple and straightforward, so I felt pretty good about myself. Soon after I learned how to play the song, I stayed after school to help write thank you notes to the troops who were in Iraq with some friends. One of these friends happened to be a guy that I had a crush on. He played the guitar, and on that particular day, he happened to have his guitar with him. So like any 16-year-old trying to impress the boy she liked, I asked if I could play. After I fumbled through the song, he said... You play those chords weird. And like the very mature high schooler that I was, I'm sure I responded with something like, no, you play those chords weird. I know, really strong comeback. But because of an offhand comment regarding how I played guitar chords, I only ever learned one more song after that. The criticism made me feel embarrassed. So I figured I wasn't very good at the guitar. And as a perfectionist, if I don't feel like I'm good at something, I figure, what's the point if I can't do it right? But I've also been in enough therapy over the years to know that it wasn't the comment that made me decide not to keep playing. It was my insecurities. Now, if I could talk to 16-year-old Maggie, I'd tell her that the comment doesn't matter. I would tell her that it would be awesome to continue playing and get really good at the guitar. I would tell her not to worry about what her high school crush said to her because he was just a high school boy trying to be cool to the girl that he had a crush on. And I would definitely make sure to not spoil the fun by telling her that someday this boy would become her husband because, you know, young love. But the thing is, whether you're 16 or you're 40, criticism hurts. Today we're continuing a series called I Believe in Monsters, where we're taking a look at how to respond to the challenging people in our lives. There's no relationship without conflict. Sometimes it's created by the other person, but sometimes it's created by us. Today, we want to take a look at how to handle situations dealing with critical people. Last week, Pastor Michael reminded us that while there are difficult people in our lives, we can also be the challenging person in others' lives. I'll be the first to tell you that when I hear the term critical, I don't think of myself. I go through that whole list of people that have said comments to me over the years that I haven't received well. But if I'm honest, I know that there have been countless times where I've been critical of others. I've sat listening to a sermon on more than one occasion where I thought, I hope blank is paying attention today while thinking of a particular person, or, oh, this would be so great for so-and-so to hear, and then thought about passive-aggressively sending them the podcast. It's something we all do because it can be unsettling to self-reflect and recognize our faults and shortcomings. When we're hurting or feel vulnerable, Sometimes it's easier to think about others because the pain that lies deep beneath the surface might be just too much for us at the time. That's when we need help. We need someone to guide us through those moments. So today we're going to take a look at the example of Jesus and how he handled critical people in his life and how to look at his example, 
when we find ourselves being critical in the lives of others. As people, we crave connection. We want relationship because that's how God wired us. He created us in his image, and he wants a relationship with us, so we want a relationship with others. But this leaves us vulnerable. To embark on any type of relationship, we must open up a part of ourselves to the other person. So what do we do when that other person becomes critical of us? When someone criticizes our appearance, our work ethic, our parenting style, our favorite music, or something else that we deem important, how do we respond? There are two main responses that I want to focus on today in regards to responding to critical people. I really believe that if we can work on this, then it can truly change the way that we view people and the way that we handle criticism. So the first is, when someone criticizes you, don't respond. Don't respond. Now, this might seem crazy, but honestly, there are instances where no response is the best response. So when considering whether to respond or not to someone who has criticized you, there are a few questions I want you to ask yourself. The first thing is, is this person in your arena? In other words, does this person's opinion matter? Is this person doing life with you and do they want what's best for you? No? Then why does it matter? In 1 Peter 2, 23, it reads, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Time and time again, during his life, Jesus was insulted by many. He could have responded and retaliated, but many times he stayed quiet. When he carried his cross towards death and passed by people and listened to their insults, he continued on his way and he didn't respond. He knew his response would fall on deaf ears, but more importantly, he trusted that God would take care of him. His concern was not unproving anything to anyone other than God. The people who constantly criticized Jesus were not those who were walking by his side on a daily basis. If there's a person or a few people who are constantly criticizing you, ask yourself if these people need to be a part of your daily life. Life is challenging enough <clears throat> on its own without the constant sting of criticism. In her book, Dare to Lead, Brene Brown writes at length regarding her studies on vulnerability. She shares that years and years of data and life experience have led her to this thought process regarding other people. If you are not in the arena, I am not interested in or open to your feedback. This means if the person who is critical of you is not down in the trenches with you, their feedback is irrelevant. We have to move ourselves to a place where our concern regarding others is limited to the people in our life that really matter. When Peter and the disciples told Jesus what people were saying about him, he responded by asking, who do you say that I am? Peter and the disciples were the closest to Jesus. These were the men that were with him every day. They were in the arena with him. While, while Jesus' value came from God, he wanted to ensure that those who were closest to him knew who he was. Knowing the difference between the people who are doing life with you and those who are there but not as significant can save us the time and energy that it would require to respond to their criticism. This is something that I think that many of us struggle with, so I'm going to say it again. Knowing the difference between the people who are doing life with you and those who are there but are not as significant can save us the time and energy that it would require to respond to their criticism. 
Another reason for us to consider not responding to someone's criticism is that it is unlikely that their hurtful comment is going to spur us on to better ourselves. Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Now, overlooking does not mean that you have to pretend that it wasn't hurtful. But it's not to your, if it's not to your benefit, it's not worth your time. It also means that it's not worth your anger. Spending time furious over the hurtful comment, particularly if it's from someone who isn't a key player in our lives, doesn't help us. I'm in my 11th year of teaching fifth grade, and I cannot tell you how many times I've had to mediate conversations between kids because of instead of walking away, a child decided to get even and take cheap shots at the other. This is because hurt people hurt people. We have to choose not to respond at times because hurtful, the hurtful comment probably isn't even about us in the first place. Brene Brown later says in her book, there are a million cheap seats in the world today filled with people who will never be brave with their own lives, but who will spend every ounce of energy they have hurling advice and judgment. We have to determine when hurtful feelings and hurtful things are unproductive and let go. We also have to remember that when these kinds of comments inevitably come into our lives, we need to keep our cool. Proverbs 12:18 states, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. If something critical is, that is said about you is frustrating, don't respond. If you find yourself ruminating over what's been said, bring it to somebody you trust. Seek out wise counsel from someone who is in the arena with you and has positive intentions regarding your life. We need to be clear on whose opinions matter. When we're so used to hearing opinions from so many people, we need to be clear on whose opinions matter. For me, I trust the people who are in the arena. Back when quarantine first started, Michael preached a series called Instimacy, where he talked about the different relationships that we have in our lives. If you missed out, I would really encourage you to listen to it. But if you were around then and you remember, the people that I'm talking about, the people who are in the arena, this is your crew. So for me, it's the people who I know care about me and what's best for me, my marriage, and my kids. The people whose opinions matter the most to me are the people who have earned my trust over time by doing life with me. These aren't the people who are just there for the big moments, but they're there for the day to day. These people in my arena, they encourage me and support me as a friend, as a mom, as a wife, and as a teacher. When these people speak into my life because of the foundation that our relationship has, I know that their words matter. But let's recognize that this isn't a perfect system. It's almost a certainty that we will be criticized by people who are close to us. Remember, hurt people hurt people. It may catch you off guard and truly sting, but the best thing in that situation may be to not respond. The urge to retaliate may be strong, but remember that just as that person cannot take back what he or she said to you, you won't be able to do the same thing if you are reckless. When we find our value in Jesus and keep that as our focus, we can move beyond the hurt. And while it's not always easy, sometimes it's just best to leave it alone. Now, if the thought of not responding has been driving you crazy, and you're the kind of person that feels the need to respond when criticized, this is for you. Sometimes the criticism from someone requires a response, but this response needs to be done with thought. 
If you're like me and conflict stresses you out, not responding is probably your comfort zone. Or if you're like Michael and you don't shy away from conflict, responding is probably your comfort zone. Sometimes the things other people say require us to say something in return. Sometimes we need to speak up for ourselves. So the second way to handle a critical person is to think it through and respond thoughtfully rather than react. Respond, don't react. A reaction is often immediate and poorly thought out. While I dislike conflict, I'll also say that giving a situation time to breathe isn't always my forte. I'm prideful. When something negative is said to me or about me, I want to lash out because my ego is bruised. I want to get the last word in. But if I don't want to make things worse, I'm far better off taking time and thinking it through. When someone criticizes, it's easy to react, to become defensive and lash out. But remember what Proverbs 12:18 said, reckless words pierce like a sword. Reacting does damage. I don't want to be reckless in the way that I speak to people. Jesus is the best example for responding to criticism. He was thoughtful, and he knew where his value comes from. Jesus always hung out with people that society deemed worthless. In the Bible, the people he hung out with were called sinners. And the Pharisees, the teachers of the Jewish law, the men who were supposed to be carrying out the scripture, took issue with Jesus spending time with these people. And when they criticized him for it, he responded, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Jesus' responses were given with purpose and a level head. So we look to him as our example. Jesus was able to give an explanation as a rebuttal to what the Pharisees said. He wasn't trying to get the last word. He was trying to help the Pharisees see what they couldn't because they were too focused on finding fault in Jesus. When we receive criticism, it's easy to focus on getting the last word or practicing our comeback, but we need to remember, hurt people hurt people. Pastor Greg Groeschel says, when emotions are high, wisdom is low. We are unlikely to do any good in the conversation when we're defensive or angry. Often, we need to write out a response, take a break, and come back to it later. Let me put it to you another way. When you're fuming, don't hit send. We live in an insane time where everything is all over social media and subtweeting is a way of life. So much communication today happens behind a keyboard and not face-to-face, -face, so it makes it really easy to not feel the real weight of our words. Think about the outcome that you're looking for. Does your initial response get you to that outcome, or will it only perpetuate the issue? Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honor. Taking the time to think through a response requires wisdom. Is it easy? No, not always, but you are never going to regret taking the time to thoughtfully respond rather than giving a knee-jerk reaction. Paul writes in Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Think it through. Think about the person you're in conflict with. Can you be the one to reflect the nature of Jesus in your response? Can you put the other person ahead of yourself? Trust me, I've been here. This is an extremely challenging scenario, especially when you've been criticized and wronged. But when we place our identity and our trust in Jesus, we can have his wisdom to respond appropriately rather than defending our pride. But this does not come without effort and focus. 
These ways of responding aren't easy. It takes self-control and wisdom. But if we're followers of Jesus, we are called to treat others as uncommon, even if that person cuts you down or hurts you. This doesn't mean that we become a doormat and let others take cheap shots at us, but it does mean that we need to think before we act. But what if we're honest for a moment and realize that we too are critical people? That's a tough pill to swallow, but we need to be self-aware. Sometimes we are the cause of someone else's pain. Sometimes we're the ones making the cutting remarks. So I wanna offer a few questions that can help us filter our thoughts as we engage with other people. The first one is, am I sharing something helpful and with positive intent? So if what you're saying is criticism, chances are you aren't actually sharing something that benefits the other person. Our next question is, am I in this person's arena? If you're not in that person's arena, why does it matter anyway? Why do you feel the need to say what you've said? And if you are in that person's arena, did they ask you for your thoughts? Which leads me to my next question. Was my opinion asked for in the first place? If you weren't asked, chances are the other person doesn't want to hear what you have to say. And to be honest, this is something that I've had to work on a lot in my adult life. I catch myself often having to remember that if my advice wasn't asked for, it wasn't asked for. I don't need to give my unsolicited opinion. True empathy requires the ability to listen, not to solve things. And our last question is, what's really bothering me? If I'm being critical of someone, what's really bothering me? In most cases, when we're critical of others or they're critical of us, it's usually because there's something about ourselves that's really bothering us. So if we use these questions to help filter our thoughts before we open our mouths, we can save ourselves and others from potentially harmful conversations. We have to remember that our pride is often what's getting in the way. When we feel insecure about something in our own life, it's easy to look at others and those same issues in their lives rather than dealing with it ourselves. When I'm struggling with living up to some kind of standard that I've set for myself or that I feel that I've allowed society to dictate for me, it is so much easier to look for those that, who I feel are struggling with those same standards rather than asking myself why I'm struggling in the first place. It's a lot easier to watch and point out when other people make a mistake or do something wrong rather than deal with the consequences of my own actions. Paul writes in Romans 14.10, You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It's easy to look at another person, especially from behind the safety of our screens at home, and make judgment calls. It's easy to pass judgment on how others live, spend money, dress, raise their kids, fill in the blank. But we really need to evaluate why we're even commenting on something in the first place or why we feel entitled to speak into others' lives in the first place. In a time where we've been spending the majority of the past seven months at home because of COVID, it would be easy to forget how much of an impact we have on one another. It would be easy to make a snarky or critical remark without thinking about it, but remember, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to treat others as uncommon. Extending grace rather than a harsh word could be the difference between sharing the love of Jesus with someone who doesn't know him. 2020 has been the never-ending year. We've just started October, and I'm pretty sure most of us are waiting for 2021 to roll around. 
Not only are we living through a pandemic, we're living in a time of social unrest, racial tension, and a hostile political climate. You don't have to look far to find criticism on just about anything. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, knowing how to handle criticism is one of those life skills that we all need. No one likes a jerk. These principles apply to all of us because no matter who you are, what you believe in, or what you stand for, everyone deals with critical people. And sometimes we're the critical people. If you're new to Collective or you've been checking us out for a little while, know that this is the type of church that we strive to be. Jesus hung out with people who were messy and broken. We are those people. We are messy, we are broken, and we make mistakes. We're works in progress, and we are so thankful for the endless second chances that Jesus offers. We strive to take our example from Jesus. If anybody had the right to criticize, it was Jesus. He was perfect. He was God. But he knew how much we needed love. We need love. We need his endless second chances. Know that if you are new here or you're still trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, you're safe here. This is a place where you won't be judged. We strive to be a community that will walk alongside you in your messiness and your brokenness without criticizing where you've been or what you're going through. Criticism hurts. So as you go about this week and potentially encounter criticism or feel the urge to criticize someone, take time to think about it. Do you need to respond? Do you need to take time to thoughtfully engage? Are your words necessary? Trust me, this is hard. I have to work on this every day. It takes effort and thought to reflect love and grace to the people who are in our lives. Let's pray. Hey God, uh, we just come to you this morning so thankful that even though we are completely flawed and we look for the flaws in other people, God, you give us grace every day. You give us endless second chances, chances to redeem ourselves and, and be new with each day. And God, I just pray that as we uh, go through this week and as we continue on, God, that we would just be thoughtful in the way that we interact with one another. We would be thoughtful in the way that we respond when people are harsh or we feel like we're being criticized because it's so easy. It's so easy to just want to lash out and, and look for the flaw in the other person, God. But I pray that we would be reflective, that we would pause that we would respond rather than react. And God, that we would reflect your love to the people around us. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.